Congressman, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Andy? I'm doing great, although I'm a little disturbed about what's coming out of Washington, D.C. Of course, we have Afghanistan that I want to pick your brain on and get your thoughts on in a second here. But yesterday was uh, kind of an odd vote. We have the uh, I heard the Democrats were going to hold up the infrastructure bill until the Senate passes the uh, until the Senate passes the three and a half trillion dollar budget bill. So that way you guys could vote on both of them at the same time. But it sounds like you guys are already kind of moving forward with some of this stuff. What do you guys been working on? Well, it, it really is the the Democrat parties uh, being driven by by this group of Democrat socialists, which is roughly half of the the, the Democrat caucus, and they were adamant that they were not going to vote for infrastructure, which is what the country wants and needs, until they can pass a bill that has just huge bloated spending in it. And uh, basically, they they held up uh, Speaker Pelosi and and held the whole process hostage to make that happen, and. And as a result, they were able to ram through this three and a half uh, trillion dollar bill. It, it's really more than that, but three and a half trillion is all that they'll admit to uh, that's in that. And uh, some of the, the Democrats who campaigned as pro-business Democrats, uh, you know, said, no, we, we want to vote on infrastructure first. But at the end of the day, they they folded and and uh, agreed to the their their big spending bill. And uh, that's what we're moving forward with. It's unfortunate. Now, you're on the Ways and Means Committee, so you got to see this up firsthand and, and closely to see all the details coming into this bill. And it's obviously a monstrosity. Three and a half trillion dollars is absurd, plus a one point two trillion dollar infrastructure bill on top of that as well. We are going to bankrupt this nation eventually with how far we're going here. But talk about the process. What led up to this and the discussion you guys had behind the scenes that we don't get to hear usually with the budgetary discussion and what got thrown into this bill? Because from what I've seen, it is nothing more than a massive socialist takeover of expanding social programs, of fo- focusing on environmental issues, on whatever. I mean, it's not even really a budget. It's just a it's just a goodie bill for a lot of Democrats. It, it really is a goodie bill. It's it's on top of the things that we already spend for, uh, you know, on top of Medicare and Medicaid and and food stamps and and national defense. It's it's it it, it basically just goes out and adds more funding for. Uh, all these pet projects that have been on the socialist dream list and, and out there, you know, and the sad part about it is Nancy Pelosi tried to say it was for the children on the floor, but in reality, it's creating this huge debt for our children to pay back. Yeah. And basically this bill itself is going to create another $50,000 in debt for each Kansan. So that's yeah. 150 billion dollars over the next 10 years that's going to be added to to the debt for uh each kansan uh and 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 have to pay back for this and so they basically were looking at doing things like eliminating right to work laws in states and providing amnesty to illegal immigrants and subsidizing taxes for the wealthy taxpayers in in the blue states uh and then and then basically socialized medicine Forcing everybody to use electric vehicles and and uh, and making it so prohibitively expensive to use your your gasoline car um, and to get around in and and so it it's it's a sad process they started it's a sad thing they're pushing um, we we uh, it, it's still we still have several steps to go in the process uh, the the next step in reconciliation is for each of the committees on the House and the Senate to go through and follow the instructions that were written in this bill 
about uh, how much money we can spend on certain projects and then pass them basically out of committee. And and then there'll be another vote on the total spending package as part of a, what's called a reconciliation of the budget. And so uh, there's, there still has to be another vote. We have to go through the committee process and then do that, that second vote. Uh, so there's there's an opportunity to stop some of this, but it's it's a sad day when when uh, so many people on the on the other party think that we we our government ought to be controlling everything for us. Well, yeah, it's really sad, and uh, I mean, even though you guys have an opportunity to stop some of this, I mean, Democrats are still controlling the majority there, and really in both chambers is the way things are kind of lining up here. Uh, but you mentioned a couple of topics I want to get to in a second, but the vote yesterday on this bill wasn't necessarily the approval of the budget, but kind of moving forward with the process of the budget. But uh, from what it sounds like, there was some shenanigans on how they actually uh, made the vote yesterday as well to assume that the budget was already going to move forward as a passed bill, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. So yesterday was the first vote on on basically creating the budget. But what they did is it instead of doing a vote, normally when we go through the process, we, we, we pass a rule that says, you know, this is the amendments that are allowed on the floor, and this is how long the debate takes on the floor, and, and we go through that process. And then we, we vote on, then we debate the bill, and then we vote on the bill. Well, the process they took yesterday was basically to say, okay, we, we will pass a rule uh, that says we want to we wanna pass this budget resolution. And, oh, by the way, if you vote for the rule, that just assumes that we will automatically pass the budget. So basically, they didn't even have a vote to pass the budget. Uh, they just vote. We just voted uh, on a rule uh, to to have a budget, uh, wow. which is a lot of parliamentary shenanigans. Yeah, it's the politics are really the ramming through. It sounds like the Fast and Furious is coming back to the Biden administration and the way Democrats like to actually run things. But you mentioned some topics within the bill that are extremely troubling if this is the case that have nothing to do with the budget. As you mentioned, so if, let me get this straight. If the $3.5 trillion budget passes, we would see amnesty for illegal aliens in this bill uh, if this passed. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that they're putting in. We would get rid of right-to-work laws in different states from a national federal overreach, overriding state laws with right to work if this budget passes. That's right. Uh, that's that's what they wrote, wrote into this bill. Is that basically, it's a big federal government takeover of the country. Wow. I mean, we're not seeing like a connection between like H.R. 1 with centralization of, of uh, elections and stuff in here as well, are we? Well, not, not as part of this bill, uh, but... What this rule that we voted on yesterday authorized was uh, a debate on uh, a John Lewis, uh, what they're calling the HR4, which is a John Lewis Voting Rights Act, which basically doesn't put any restrictions on uh, showing an ID, doesn't, uh, it opens it up basically some of the, the potential for fraud categories of just having uh, everybody mail out ballots and, and again, dictating from the federal level what the election laws ought to be, which is clearly, if you look at the Constitution, it was intended that states control the election process. 
This is extremely scary. It's very troubling. We're talking with Congressman Ron Estes from right here in the 4th Congressional District of Kansas. Uh, where are you guys at with the infrastructure bill right now? I know as, uh, as Nancy Pelosi had mentioned that she's not going to vote on that until the Senate passes the budget, which I don't know where that's going to be at with uh, with that side of it. But where are you guys with the infrastructure and what's in that bill as well? Because I, I don't understand why Republicans are supporting the bill, trying to be in a bipartisan manner there. There's still a lot of garbage in that bill as well, and we're giving the Biden administration a major victory before midterm elections, which I don't see politically how that's favoring Republicans at all. Yeah. It, it, so here, here's the process of, of what's going to happen. And, and basically the, the, the social, the Democrat socialist wing of the party that uh, controls Nancy Pelosi's votes on this, uh, basically said they want to pass this, this huge bloated budget before they do infrastructure because they think they, they want to make sure they get their spending wishes in. So uh, some some of the Democrats uh, said well, we 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 think infrastructure is important because that's what the American people really want and 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 wanted to get that bill passed. But at the end of the day, they they passed they they gave up on that effort. And the the only compromise or the only promise they got from Speaker Pelosi was that she would bring the infrastructure bill up uh, sometime by the end of September. And and I don't understand the process in the Senate. I mean, there there were a lot of senators that actually, uh, there were several senators that got involved at the beginning to craft this bill, uh, which would seem to make no sense knowing that Speaker Pelosi, knowing that President Biden uh, all said that, well, we'll negotiate with you on a bipartisan approach, and then we'll go do our partisan stuff on top of that in a separate bill right. and and ram that through. And so it didn't really make sense to do that. We do have to pass uh, this year a a highway bill, if you will. That's that's the old vernacular now. Now it's frequently called the surface transportation bill, and and some of those provisions were included in what the Senate did. Uh, but just to give you a frame of reference, the last highway bill that we passed five years ago was a roughly uh, three hundred and eighty billion dollars, sure. and so the the House of Democrats passed. A renewal of the highway bill at a roughly five hundred and fifty billion dollar rate. So now, with this Senate program that was brought forth, and it doubles that, and so it, it throws in all these wish list items. Uh, you know, just eleven percent of it goes to roads and bridges, which is what American people want for infrastructure. And it it does have lots of platitudes. It talks about things like you know sixty five billion dollars for broadband. Uh, which which is important. We want that. We we need that in underserved areas, but only two billion dollars is slated to go to rural areas, and instead, fourteen billion dollars of that's going to pay the internet bills for people in cities. Wow. Uh, which doesn't make any sense at all from the standpoint of what what the federal government should be doing. No, it's not at all. I mean, that's not where the government's role is supposed to be, and it's not part of infrastructure in any way, shape, or form. And you mentioned it. Even if we did three to four hundred billion dollars, which is what you know an actual roads, highways, bridges type of project should be then I could go along with something like that. And at the same time, when we're moving money from the COVID relief that we've spent trying to figure out where to spend all that money, that would cover that three to $400 billion, then guess what? You know what? That would be an infrastructure bill. We could pay for it. We wouldn't have to raise any more spending at all. We could do that. And I think Republicans and Democrats 
could get along with a bill together like that. But the fact that it's not, and we've gone from one from three to four hundred billion dollars to one point two trillion dollars with all this other garbage in it, with tax increases and with uh, rural broadband and with all this other stuff that's not that's not infrastructure. That's where I lose it. And I, it boggles my mind that 19 Republicans out of the Senate are actually supporting this bill to pass it. And who knows how many Republicans on the on the House side, because now we've heard that some Republicans wanted support it on the House side because the extreme left Democrats said there wasn't enough in it and that Republicans wanted to try and ram this through to make sure to get it done by the end of the year. Uh, it's, it's all kinds of loony, and I just don't understand that process. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me either. I mean, we we do have to pass a surface transportation bill, and you know, I even even what the House Democrats passed out at that five hundred and fifty billion dollar bill to do roads, bridges, waterways, broadband, you know, the electric grid, uh, that was that was even inflated, and then the, that Senate version's a double on top of that, and I I don't understand, and it really was a two step process. There were uh, less than 19 senators, Republicans, that were involved in negotiating uh, what the $1.2 trillion bill would be. Uh, and then at the end of the day, some of them didn't vote for it, but some uh, some additional ones did. Uh, I think partly just, just, well, they only needed 50 votes at the, the final vote. You know, yeah. they needed 60 to, to overcome the filibuster. And so that was the more important vote. Uh, that final vote uh, wasn't as important, but uh, I, I don't understand the logic in that process. Yeah, no, and I think it's going to hurt Republicans going into the midterm elections next year because Biden so far has not had a victory in anything except for executive orders. This is going to be a first major piece of legislation eight months into his administration where he's getting a major victory and he can't even remember his name half the time, but yet we're going to walk away and give him a big win going into midterms when Republicans are supposed to be saying, hey, look at all the crazy spending the Democrats are doing destroying the economy. Um, so to me, it's extremely sad. We're talking with Congressman Ron Estes, Fourth uh, District of Kansas, right here. I know you're busy; just a couple more minutes left. Uh, but I want to talk about Afghanistan. Obviously, a major issue that's been going on this week. Approval ratings for Joe Biden dropping down to the low 40s. I think they're even lower than that, uh, so to speak. But I. Could you explain the process a little bit to me? Because I don't get it. I mean, Donald Trump had a a program, apparently had a plan to be able to start withdrawing from Afghanistan and doing it appropriately. But I think we literally just learned what not to do because we pulled out military, left U.S. citizens there, caused all this chaos. And then he even admitted that we saw the Taliban take over a lot quicker than what we had anticipated. Yeah, it's really heartbreaking to see all the events unfold in, in Afghanistan and and it could have been prevented. I mean, this was this was Joe Biden's decision to go this route. Uh, President Trump had a had a, a process set in place that, that they were calling a conditional withdrawal that the Taliban had to follow some some rules. They had to you know to not uh, inflict the additional damage and and impact as as part of the pullout of the U.S. troops and the pull down. And and that process was 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 working uh, up until. Uh, uh, President Biden decided that he just wanted to artificially create a date. And, you know, he, he basically was saying that s- speed is safety. So he, which, which we know is now false. Uh, and he was out there saying that, you know, Taliban would, would never overrun. Uh, and, and as a result, he ended up making this very poor decision. I mean, in, in, uh, it's it terrible, the, the process that he took and the decision he took to pull out the, the military, and now we're seeing 
that uh, all of the the State Department people, all of the uh, Americans, all of the all of the allies, both Afghani citizens as well as French and British. I mean, people that came to America's aid when the Taliban first supported Al Qaeda in attacking us on 9/11. You know, other countries came to our aid in Afghanistan, and and now we're basically just abandoning them, and they're having to scramble to get their people out at the same time. Uh, the, the decision was made to leave all this equipment. So now, now the Taliban has more Black Hawk helicopters than Australia does, which is one of the partners on the Black Hawk helicopter program. Wow. Uh, just because they left all that equipment there, it's it's just a, a terrible lack of leadership and poor decision making. And and I just I, it's it just uh, we're we're going to see lots of people die because of the decisions that, that Joe Biden made. Well, it's pathetic because this is a whole nother level of negligence or ill information or just stupid decision making. I mean, I don't know if it was Joe Biden that made this decision himself or if it was his staff and his team that actually did this. But this is horrible. And I don't know what we can do about it now. I mean, they've taken over. They're already starting to prosecute people that helped us. They're already starting to to kill women uh, that don't abide by the Sharia law and some of the extremism that they have there. I mean, what can we do? We can't reinvade again to try and stamp it out. We kind of have to just let it be. And I, I feel horrible because I don't know what else we can do. Yeah, this is this is a horrible decision that that Joe Biden made, and he made it against the advice from his advisors. I mean, wow. uh, the intelligence community was telling him this would happen, and <laughs> that uh, instead they were kind of just visioning this magical world that uh, the Taliban would would uh, be able to negotiate, and and you know the the Taliban is the people that supported Al Qaeda to attack us, and you know Taliban does good at, at manipulating the media. I mean, they told them, you know, a week and a half ago that, oh, we're, we're going to be, uh, uh, we've changed and we're going to be nice to people. And as soon as they take over, uh, then you see exactly as you said, is that, uh, you know, women are, and, and girls are no longer going to be allowed to be educated. They're going to be uh, forced into marriage. They, and it's already started. Uh, yeah. They're out prosecuting uh, they came back and said that there there are any Afghani's uh, they don't want any to leave, uh, and they they're going to prosecute the folks that uh, uh, that had helped the Americans and 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 didn't obey the Sharia law aspects and and so it's it's really a, a horrible debacle and this is just it's it's another blunder that uh, President Biden's made and it's really a disaster that uh, is going to have untold consequences on on the number of people that are going to be killed and and have their lives for forever altered. Yeah, I, there's a lot of people that are going to be affected very badly from this one. I did make the comment a few days ago that the media here in the U.S. were covering the Taliban statement of, you know, we're not going to prosecute people that fought against us. We're not going to go after women as they're doing it. And the media almost wanted to believe them, which I laughed because it seemed like they were giving the Taliban more credibility with their words than what they did the last four years with Donald Trump when he was in office because they wouldn't even give him the time of day at all. So I find that kind of ironic with our own media. The big question is, though, is that with U.S. security, we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of September 11th. We have an open border where we still have a 800, 900% capacity of the facilities down at the southern border. We have terrorists. I mean, we've caught people from like over 130 different nations coming across our border already. Now with the Taliban getting more power, getting more technology, getting more control again over in the Middle East, are we concerned about them trying to come over to our border and try and do harm in the United States and maybe even in a relatively short manner with the upcoming anniversary of 9-11. It, 
It really is. And, and unfortunately, you know, going back to the, the budget bill that came through, there was no additional money added for Homeland Security through that process. And, and the, the folks in the Homeland Security, the, the leadership there, not, not the rank and file, uh, border protect patrol agents, but the, the leadership there sticks their head in their sand related to this. I mean, they, they basically say, well, we, we don't catch many people that are, terrorists or on the terrorist watch list that come through. So we don't think it's really a problem. I mean, the, the thing that they don't mention is that the, the smugglers that drop people over the border for the border patrol then to, to take care of uh, are different than the known gotaways that uh, are, are being able to be seen on cameras but can't get caught, uh, that they're being smuggled in. And and so there there's a risk, a huge risk that, that they're going to continue to see more gang members, more terrorists come through, you know, what we're seeing and um, expecting is that more of the Taliban and Al Qaeda and ISIS K members that are coming back into Afghanistan, if they have been uh, out of the country. And, and so they're, they're regrouping to, to come back to attack us. And this has just been a, a colossal blunder. Uh, to go through this, and and we need to ramp up our security, not uh, not ignore that we need to have better homeland security. Yeah, good golly, Congressman Brown, this is from the Fourth District. Last couple of questions before we let you go. Anything else you guys are working on? I know that I want to get your thoughts on real quickly as well the the mandate that Joe Biden had from federal employees about the vaccine. Everybody needs to get a vaccine or wear the mask and do the daily testing sort of thing. Uh, has there been any more pushback from federal agencies against him? Because I know a lot of the agencies, including the postal uh, the postal workers and some of the other ones, IRS, ended up sending him a letter saying, don't do this because this is a little absurd. Have you heard any more than that? And I know Nancy Pelosi at the same time in the House was trying to mandate that you guys and all your staffers and everybody in the Capitol try and wear masks all the time as well. And there was a big kind of walkout from some Republicans protesting in the hallways what's the latest with some of the debacle on covid and the mask and vaccine mandates up there yeah it, it really is a sad state that uh as in fact there's a lot of people that have just turned this into a power play uh, around that and uh I, I think it it's it's appropriate to have testing processes uh and you know and make sure that if people are sick they they should stay home yeah. and if they if they are sick and they're they're not uh you know, don't have noticeable symptoms, and uh, obviously you go through a testing regimen, and and um, if you're sick, go back home after that. Uh, but that's a far cry from mandating vaccines and and uh, uh, mandating that everybody wear masks uh, for the rest of their life. Uh, I mean, yes, this is a virus, and yes, we need to take it seriously, and and we need to use good healthcare practices, uh, and but we need to do the same thing uh, with with flu virus that comes through and and uh, and, and other diseases uh, we need to make sure we're making smart healthcare decisions about ourselves and and uh, and not overreaching with with all this dramatic stuff that uh, uh, seems to be on a power play on so many people's fronts yeah, I'm noticing the power play on a lot of fronts with the Democrats. They're loving this power to try and play on people's fears and, and utilize that power to take advantage of that one. Last question for you, but anything else you guys have planned on voting on here relatively soon? Obviously, with the budget and the infrastructure still kind of lingering for the final approval, unfortunately. But outside of that, are there any other bills that are planning on coming up that we need to be aware of? So there's uh, there, there's a few things that uh, you know end up in September. That's our uh, end of year 
course, officially year starts October 1st. So, you know, we we have we have to pass a highway transportation, surface transportation uh, bill by the end of September. Uh, we'll have, actually, we have committee meetings going to start back up uh, uh, the week of Labor Day uh, to review some of this three and a half plus spending uh, bill and, and come back and report out of committees. And then that'll be the discussion in September of, of what comes out of committees and and what gets to the floor on the reconciliation process. So that's really going to be the big news, uh, those two things in, in September. Man, you guys uh, you guys have some work cut out for you, and I feel bad because you guys are so outnumbered on the conservative side trying to stop some of this, and it, I'm sure it feels like banging your head against the wall all the time. Congressman Ron Estes from the 4th Congressional District right here in the state of Kansas. Keep up the fight, my friend. We appreciate everything you do up there in Washington, D.C. We'll talk to you again here real soon. All right, great. Thank you, Andy.